Hello and welcome to the Ordinary Church Podcast. This is a podcast about the church and for the church. I'm Connor. I'm here with Mike and we're excited to be with you today. We're going to jump right into it. Today's episode is called Help for Strugglers, which is a super wide-ranging topic. But I think we have some helpful things that we want to um, kick around on this one and, and uh, provide help to those struggling and also help you think about uh, helping uh, in the case of people around you who are struggling. So, Mike, let me pass it to you. Can you kind of like tee this one up for us? Just tell us where we're going. Absolutely, Connor. Thanks. Good to be with everyone today. So we, our heart behind everything we've done really in the whole OCP podcast, Ordinary Church podcast, from the time we began, but also especially when we're talking about we're camping out on this Pride Month thing, we're not trying to hammer everyone and, and stand up and act like we're all self-righteous and we're perfect or anything like that. Really, our heart behind all of this has always been uh, a love for Christ and his word in his church and knowing that uh, things are getting paraded and pushed upon us and there's a lot of peer pressure uh, to, uh, to really adopt and accept and condone and celebrate uh, just blatantly sinful, evil lifestyles and ideas and mindsets and worldviews. And so there, our heart behind it is like, look, we want to help the church uh, to navigate this. And But what we realize is that there's a lot of people who are struggling with their own sin. Everyone struggles with sin. Every Christian struggles with sin. Now, again, we're, this is a podcast for Christians. This is for the church. And, and listeners, if, you're, if you've happened upon us and you're not a believer, we are so glad you're listening in. And, and we truly want you to know Jesus Christ and the hope and, and salvation and forgiveness and joy that he gives. And, and we would just say to you, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Trust in his finished work on the cross. Know that you can't save yourself. Know that you're a sinner in need of a savior. He's a holy God. He must judge sin and that he judged sin on the cross in, on Jesus. Took, Jesus took the punishment our sins deserved. So, But our heart behind all of this is to help the church. And we realize every Christian struggles with sin and we want to help people struggling with sin. But we also realize that as we're going through even a month like this, the people that are struggling the most in our assembly and in Christian assemblies are probably feeling batted about like a like a pickleball ball, you know, mm-hmm. bank 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 across the uh, across the uh, the net and going. Does anybody care about me? We want you to know we care about you more than you know, and 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 our hearts are are deeply grieved by by any kind of sin you might be be caught in or struggling with and again we're not celebrating sin we're not condoning sin but we're also not condemning you for your sin right there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus the condemnation went on Christ and and God doesn't condemn the believer for their sin again he condemned their sin at the cross so that's this is where we're going today we want to just give some help and hope for those struggling with sin and then those who are helping people struggling with mm. sin that's good i I think there's a lot of directions that we could go with this. I was going to just mention one line that always stands out to me. Um, there's a pastor named Sam Albury. I think you know yeah. you know that uh, Mike, and he's in the UK, mm-hmm. um, celibate and struggles with same-sex attraction. That's what that's how he would say it. Um, mm-hmm. He wrote a book called "Is God Anti-Gay?" That's that's helpful and good, I think. Um, but he has a line in that book where he says, "People always come up to me and they say it must be so hard for you to be a Christian." As somebody who struggles with same-sex attraction, you have to sacrifice so much, forego so much for, for the sake of Christ. And he says, I always respond the same way. Um, if you think that my struggle is unique or, you know, it's exasperated compared to a normal believer, you probably don't have too much of an idea yet of what it means to follow Jesus. Because every believer is called 
to take up their cross and to deny themselves and to follow Christ in deeply sacrificial ways. So, Mike, I think we could acknowledge that there is a uniqueness mm-hmm. because sexuality is something that hits close to the core of who we are. Um, it's especially fronted in our society, so we might feel it even more than maybe some people in a different generation in history. Um, and yet at the same time, anybody who's in the middle of the struggle, um, there is, I think, hope in the sense of the perspective to say, hey, every Christian is called to deny themselves and take up their cross and follow Jesus. And, mm-hmm. and if somebody's saying, oh, it must be so hard, your situation is so unique, um, it can be helpful just to remember, you know, actually, this might be a struggle that's unique to me compared to somebody else, but every Christian is engaged in the same effort of trying to lay off uh, sin and selfish patterns and to follow Jesus in deeply sacrificial ways. So yeah, that was probably too long-winded, but I, I do find that um, helpful. I don't know, Mike, if you have any thoughts about that. or no, I think that's very helpful. I think, you know, even before we have, we have I think we have five points we want to give today, but we're going to save those to the end a little bit if anyone never takes notes off of this podcast. <laughs> um, the whole identity issues thing, I think, is important, at least for us to ag- acknowledge. Like, how do you live when your whole identity, and we brought this up before, how, how do you live when your whole identity um, has been communicated to you in our culture that it has to be approved by others at every moment or else you're despondent or in despair. And what we see happening, and this just tears our hearts, that a lot of people are committing suicide that are trans, mm-hmm. but what, what the way it gets portrayed in the culture is, it's because no one accepts them. The problem is, I was talking to someone yesterday about just what it does to your brain when you have to tell yourself the opposite of reality all the time. It puts you in such Mm. a a quandary, and that's an understatement. It drives you to despair. That when you say black is white and white is black, up is down, down is up, whatever you want, wrong is wrong, wrong is right and right is wrong, that uh, good is evil and evil is good. When you live that way your whole, like for an extended period of time, you drive yourself to despondency and Mm -hmm. despair. Mm -hmm. And, And of course, out of necessity, everyone can't agree with you because we're talking about reality or a, you know or or fiction <laughs> right mm-hmm. we're talking about uh, truth or lies and so I think when you engage and what happens is the ad hominem personal attacks come upon people rather than their positions they don't agree with right mm-hmm. so we're saying there is objective truth there is objective reality and the identity issues that people struggle with oftentimes can be dealt with if they will are willing to listen to truth and again there's a whole litany of people now that have that want to go back to what their god-given design and have have mangled it right right and so we're brokenhearted for people caught in sin but are insisting they're free so we want to help people who struggle while not giving permission so there's that fine line but it's not really a fine line it's just a clear line yeah yeah yeah, it's a, it's a clear line, but I think, and this, maybe we can get to this, Mike, I think it can be difficult to administer that balm, you know, when it's somebody that you actually know, maybe they're in, the, maybe they're in a relationship that they shouldn't be in, or mm-hmm. they've chosen life, you know, they've chosen um, things in life that have put them very squarely in a certain camp, and it's, it is challenging to know yeah. how to approach that, what might be the entry point, how do, you know, how often do I talk about this, how do I do this lovingly, what should I say, what should mm-hmm. I not say, even though the line is clear, the the administration of the gospel and its truth is yeah. not always so clear. Um, is that is that fair yeah, to say? Yeah, I, I think so. But let's let's and we want to clarify this though. We're talking to Christians here. Right. This is this is for Christians. So the line uh, right. of clarity in the That's gospel good. is very clear. Right. And and so we don't 
and we'll get this to this in our points or in our five points, but the idea that for an unbeliever, we're not saying that unbelievers need to just do, you know, behavior modification and try to look good. Right now, we would love for unbelievers to stop going, let's say, in sin. And they might some a lot of unbelievers stop doing certain sins. But we want to point them to the sinless one. We want to point them to Christ. We want to point them to where true freedom is found. Yeah. So I think for a Christian, we need to say, we need to make sure we're clear that the identity issues, your identity should be rooted in Christ. Not, and I'm, I'm not a big fan of, I'm an alcoholic or I'm this or I'm that. I'm not a fan of labeling ourselves anything that God doesn't label us with. And in Christ, we are, we are sinners still, but we are saints. We are new creatures in Christ. And that doesn't mean, you know, it says the old has passed away, the new things have come. But how many times in the New Testament are we told, stop doing that and start doing this? Mm-hmm. Um, in Ephesians 2.2, 2, it says you once walked in all of this world, the flesh and the devil. Well, then it says in 2.10, you're walking now in good works. Right. But what that necessitates in chapters 4, 5, and 6 is actual uh, choices. These are not automatic where God just like is using you as a marionette. Your will is involved. God has changed your will. So what we want to say to Christians is if you've gotten so deep into the rabbit hole where you don't even realize, like we want to give you the truth and mm-hmm. process it with yeah. you, but we can't, there can't be like a hospital. We're a hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints or for, for perfect people. Mm-hmm. But the hospital down the block isn't saying, by the way, you can show up and do bad things to yourself and we'll stand watching you. They're going to they're going to restrain you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you go into the hospital and let's say you've gotten stabbed or let's say you stabbed yourself and the knife is still in your stomach and if you're in there and you go hey hey hospital, look, I'm going to stab myself a few more times mm. and then you take care of it. They're going to pin you to the ground, strap you to the bed and sew you up mm-hmm. and put medicine in mm-hmm. you and try to save your life. Right. So we're trying to save lives here. Yep. So I, I think we have to be really clear that while we know that people are struggling, we're not like coddling first world problems. Right. These are deep problems. Yeah. No, I yeah. think so. I, one, one, another line that's come to my mind, and then I want to hear, I want to hear these five uh, points, Mike. I know we want to walk through those, but I think you pointed this out to me. Bonhoeffer and Life Together mm-hmm. talks about you. You never really have true unity in the church until you have a church where there's a culture of sin confession. You know, yes. honest confession of sin. Yes. And this. The church that comes together and gathers, but there's never a real confession of sin, is not a truly united church because mm-hmm. everybody is still ultimately showing up with this facade, whatever you want to call it, right? There's a lot of yeah. images there, but something that's holding them back from real fellowship. And real fellowship starts to emerge when the church culture becomes such that people can share honestly about real-time sins, you know, not things, not things that they were struggling with 10 years ago, not... Uh, not even those kind of vague, you know, maybe confessions that, that feel socially acceptable. And I was just thinking, okay, what does it look like to be able to help believers who are struggling with sin in, in connection, especially with sexuality and something that would land outside of just yeah. heterosexual, you know, um, attraction and sin in that realm. The church needs to fight to be a place where people would feel able to share honestly about their struggles. And I think right. for, 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 many in many church contexts that whole that litany of possible sins is so taboo that it's almost something that could never be you know that could never be approached and that's a challenging thing but as believers we need to try to live in such a way with the humility with the care for people where they would they would feel that they could come Mm -hmm. and share yeah yeah would you add anything to that well let me say this this tees it up really nicely for our five points but what i would add to it is this and i think 
you know, where I would kind of push against that a little bit. We need to stop saying the church needs to, okay? Because what I mean, what, 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 what it sounds like we're saying there's this entity over there that's separate from us. So as a Christian says that, it's we got to say we need to operate in a certain way. And it starts in your small group. It starts in your home. Right. It, it, and it starts in yeah, the leadership. Yeah. But like it, it's, we don't want to give the impression that the leadership of, of every church or a grace church has said, no, that's off limits. We can't, we can't do that. Right. You're right. And, and, and so many times people have said, oh, uh, just, just, uh, there's no openness to do that. Um, actually, the only thing stopping it is someone confessing their mm, sins. That's a good point. <laughs> and it's not no, like that, you first. It's not, I'm going to go, okay, so you first? No, me first. Right. Everyone should like confess your sins to one another and you will be healed. James five. That means just do that. So I think what I'm saying, like a lot of times people will say the church needs to be this or that. And it's like, well, the church needs to be the church and the church is the people uh, led by a group of, you know, plurality of elders, but it can't be where it's like the people wagging their finger and going, the church hasn't done it when they are the church. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the building we go to and, well the, and the budget. Yeah. That's, you know, that's yeah, all yeah. I'm saying. No, I, I appreciate it. That's a good yeah. pushback. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, let me dive in and let's just, you, you, I'll, I'll give you a point and you tell me. Um, and I think we're all going to agree with these, but these are, I think, really helpful. Okay. When struggling with sin and helping strugglers, and we'll go quickly through these. Number one, recognize the holiness of God, mm -hmm. uh, the thrice holy God, mm -hmm. infinite holy, infinitely holy. Uh, Isaiah 6, Revelation 4, 8, mm -hmm. just holy, 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 uh, infinitely holy. He must judge sin uh, in the in the presence of a holy God where we're laid low in the dust. So re recognize the holiness of God. And then secondly, realize every Christian struggles with sin. Uh, to your point, no faking it, no facade. Uh, confess your sins to one another. You know, so even when we call out blatant sin contrary to the will and work of God, we have to look to ourselves lest we be tempted and we don't think we're sinless. Uh, we, we just want to point people to where true freedom is found and point them to the sinless one. So those first two, recognize the holiness of God and realize every Christian struggles with sin. Yeah, I don't even have much to add. I think it's super helpful. If you don't start with holy, you know, the holy God, you're starting in the wrong place, yeah. right? If you yeah. start with the person and try to do something relativistic, it's not going to make any sense. People won't even have any interest in dealing honestly with their sin until yeah. they're face to face with God. So yeah. I know you'll have something to say about the next two. Okay. I think they're going to be really helpful. I'm yeah. gonna, I'll pair the next two as well. Great. And then we'll end with the last one. Okay. Number three, resist the temptation to put biblical standards upon unbelievers. You can't expect an unbeliever to live like a Christian, which doesn't mean that we, we remain silent as the world pushes evil. It means we answer it. We point them to the Savior, and he's the only hope of them being changed. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm not looking for people to just stop, stop doing something bad. We want them to worship him who is good. Yep. So that, Amen. Uh, let's talk to that one. Resist the temptation to put biblical standards on unbelievers. Yeah, I think it's in 1 Corinthians 5 where Paul said, I'm not saying that you should, you know, <laughs> you should judge the world. If you, if you wanted to, you know, apply this kind of judgment that I'm talking about to the world, you'd have to, you'd have to basically leave it. Um, so I think that's just a key thing to keep in mind. And I, I even caught myself, you caught me, and I appreciate it. You know, we're not trying to wade into these conversations about particular sins within the LGBTQ kind of, you know, umbrella mm -hmm. with people who are unbelievers. Yeah. It, the conversation might go there, but ultimately our target is to try to just bring the good news of Christ to them right. as sinners in general, just like we all are. Yes. Yeah, totally agree with that. Okay. The third, the fourth thing is this recall former victories. And what I mean by that is like, there's the cross, <laughs> the ultimate victory at the cross, but also 
the crisis as we've been through where we've cried out to God and he delivered us mm-hmm. or the challenges we've faced or, or the, the, the quandaries we've been in. So like recall the former victories, the, it bolsters your soul. It mm-hmm. reminds you how good God is mm-hmm. and go, okay, I'm struggling with sin and I'm trying to help someone struggling with sin. A Christian that's really struggling with sin. They're not saying you have to accept my sin. Okay. Right. Well, recall, let's, let's just rehearse and recall. Remember the time, you know, and if someone, you know, really well, Remember the time that we were praying about this and this worked out this mm-hmm. way? Remember how God orchestrated that and he called, He answered before we even called upon him, you mm-hmm. know? And so I think the, the recalling of former victories helps those struggling with sin and those helping people struggling with sin because sin is sticky. It's like tar. A- a- amen. Yeah. yeah, it is sticky. I think uh, just to maybe two thoughts to what you're saying. Uh, number one, I... Every time I read the book of Deuteronomy, it jumps out at me again that so many times Moses is calling the people, don't forget, you know, he's just saying to them, don't forget what God has done. Remember his faithfulness. And there's even practical ways that Israel's called to remember that. And it's true for us as well. Yeah. Um, and then the second is when we do that and recall God's faithfulness, it reminds us that our hope, you know, in the fight against sin rests in God and not in ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's easy, especially I think the more that a sin seems to feel that it's enslaving us or that it's become kind of a trapping sin, the more there's a temptation to look at internally and say, what, what am I doing wrong? I can't seem to get out from under this um, and locate some kind of hope in ourself, which is always going to be misguided. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I appreciate this too. All right. Yeah. Okay. So recognize the holiness of God, realize every Christian struggles with sin, resist the temptation to put biblical standards upon unbelievers, uh, recall former victories. And then the last, which is the most important number five, remember Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy 2.8, remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead. As sin is getting paraded around and pushed upon us and there's peer pressure to accept lifestyles that are not godly and, and there's all the problems we deal with in life. And if you're struggling today with a sin and it's clearly and, and it's clearly spelled out and you haven't, you know, mangled the scriptures and manipulated emotions, but you're literally sincerely wanting to confess your sins. You're not trying to tell people, no, 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 my sin is okay then as you're struggling with that, remember Jesus Christ. He's your hope. He's your life. He's your savior. He's your, he's your, your everything. And you have to remember him because he's risen from the dead, which means he's returning. He's, mm-hmm. you're, that's your hope. And in this life, you will go through some really hard times. And, and, our, and our goal as Christians is not to get out of the hard times. Our goal in, as Christians is to glorify God in whatever times. So what do you think? Yeah. Amen. I um I don't know how much to add. If we're ready to come to a stop, I was just gonna I was gonna read a final verse and then start to bring us to a close, right. and I'll I'll kick it back if you have final thoughts. But I was just thinking of First Corinthians one eight, just the idea that it's Jesus who will sustain us to the end, guilt or I'm sorry, it's the Father who will sustain us to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And as we remember Him and His return and the eternal kingdom that He's ushering in, there's just there's just all kinds of hope in that. There's there's infinite resources to draw from even in the middle of a, you know, a horrible struggle with sin. Amen. Um, anything yeah. else that you would add, Mike, before we wrap this one up? Philippians 1, 9 to 11. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Amen. Perfect place to end. Praise God for that verse. Uh, listeners, we're thankful for you and we love you. We pray for you throughout the week if we know you at Grace Church and, and we're grateful for you. Until um, next week, God bless you. Have a wonderful week enjoying life with God and serving Him. And we'll talk to you next time on the podcast. Have a great day. Bye.